Welcome to episode 39 of My Circus, My Monkeys. I have a question for you. Do you have too much to do? In other words, the stuff on your plate, do you have enough time or energy to get them all done? I didn't think so. Today, we're going to talk about systems, which sounds incredibly boring. But if you want to get the things done that you need to get done in a more effective way, stay tuned. You're listening to My Circus, My Monkeys, the podcast for supervisors in education or any field that emphasizes growth and development. If you want to reign in the chaos and transform your team to better serve your students and clients, keep listening. This podcast explores essential information on supervision, employee engagement, and using a strengths-based framework to empower you and your team. We'll examine the latest research in psychology, neuroscience, education, and beyond to help you and your team get to the next level with your host, Ann Brackett, the Chief Engagement Officer of Strengths University. If you've listened to other episodes, you know that Atomic Habits by James Clear is one of my favorite books. And I've said this quote in several different episodes. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fail to the level of your systems. But today, I want to add to that quote the next two sentences. Your goal is your desired outcome. Your system is the collection of daily habits that will get you there. Now, when we talk about systems, as I said in the intro, that does sound terribly boring, and we have so much to do. Who wants to listen to a topic that sounds so tedious? And to that end, some of you, depending on your talent set, may think systems sound awesome, in which case I apologize because I was leading with my own talents, one of which, adaptability has honestly stood in my way often to developing effective systems because adaptability wants to go with the flow. It doesn't want to be constrained by doing specific things. But what's interesting about that, and we'll get into this in a minute, our habits constrain us often in ways we don't even realize, including the habits associated with my adaptability. Okay, let me bring myself back to center here. So what is a system? A system is just a set of connected things or devices that operate together. And of course, in this case, James Clear was talking about habits, a collection of habits that work together. Now, we have a lot of stuff to do in higher ed, right? Especially when we're supervisors. So every day we show up and we do a bunch of things. But what are our systems, our current systems based on? Of course, James Clear talks about habits, but where do we get those habits from? Our talents. We've talked about the connection in other episodes between talents and habits. Our stories influence our habits. We're not going to have a habit or even a set of habits that conflict with the story we have. So thinking about self-care, we're not going to have a good self-care system if we have stories that make us believe that we should put others first always. In addition to stories, there are policies perhaps at your institution that have influenced the systems that you have. And there's the more casual, it's not a policy, but it's just kind of, I'll call leftovers, 
when you got to this job, that's how they did it. So you just kept doing it that way. So the problem is when your little cluster of habits is getting in the way of reaching your objectives. So when we've got so many things to get done and we're in fight or flight, which most of us are in, again, the statistic prior to COVID was we are under stress, aka in fight or flight, 70% of the time. So I don't know current research what that says, but I'm going to guess 90%, 85, um, maybe even more than 90%, honestly, but that's getting a little depressing. But remember, when we are in fight or flight, we're on autopilot even more so. That means that subconscious brain is driving the bus, aka us, 99% of the time. So it becomes really, really important for our conscious mind to really dive in and pick apart our systems to make sure as we're going through the day, as we're going through the week, as we're going through the semester, we're really careful not to just create a giant to-do list because to-do lists treat every item as equally important. So let's talk about why that is not optimal. Have you heard about the 80-20 rule, otherwise known as the Pareto Principle? And this was developed slash created slash first identified by an Italian economist, Filfredo Pareto. And basically, in a nutshell, what this says is that 80% of your results are generated by 20% of your efforts. So 20% of the things you do achieves 80% of your objectives. So in practicality, that means 80% of the things that you typically do are only getting you marginal results. So in a to-do list situation, when you're just going down tick, 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 we're spending a lot of time and energy on the 80% of what we do that doesn't really give us bang for the buck. And I will say that in an ideal situation where we have unlimited time, we have unlimited resources, we have unlimited budget, that doesn't matter, right? Because all the little things on that to-do list could easily be done without stressing us, without stressing out our team. But that's not the situation at all. We have limited energy. We have limited time. We have limited budget. We often have limited resources as far as personnel goes. So we have to be realistic about what we can accomplish. But when I say that, it sounds really negative, like, oh, well, we just need to cut out a bunch of stuff that is really, really important. We just can't do it. That's not necessarily true. Instead, what we need to do is identify the 20% of the things that we do as an individual, as a supervisor, and as a team that gets the most bang for our buck. Because again, that 20% is getting us 80% there. And in this situation, where we're in a pandemic, hopefully coming out of the pandemic, like I'm being hopeful about that, but also challenging times in higher ed in general, even before the pandemic. So if we can achieve 80% of what we need to do, that's better than we're doing now. And the reason is because we're kind of nickeling and diming ourselves, working on all these other activities that are theoretically things to do but the amount of effort and time and resources they take to do 
aren't worth it as much as identifying that 20% and really putting our efforts and energy and time there. So when you think about systems, and again, part of this goes to our habits are autopilot. If a system is just a collection of habits, and again, remember how closely tied our habits are to our talents, if all of this is running on autopilot and we're not really aware what our habits are, how our talents are showing up, it makes it very, very difficult for our conscious brain to say, hey, what are you doing here? That doesn't seem to fall within the 20%. So it's really important to be aware, and that means mindfully looking at what we do during the course of a day, how that lines up with our goals, so we can start to identify what stays, where do I need to put my effort, what can be delegated, what can be let go, what can go into the if I have time column. Hint, you don't. But that often makes us feel better than saying, well, we just won't do it. So as you are becoming more mindful, and again, the way this works, way too much to do, we're in a pandemic, enrollment's down, retention maybe is down. Even if you don't have an enrollment problem, budgets are probably a little tighter this year because just to be fiscally conservative, and that puts us in stress. When we are in fight or flight with all the chemicals, the hormones rushing through our body, putting us in survival mode, makes it really difficult for us to step back and assess. So it can be really helpful to have other people in our lives help us walk through this process, not because they're not under stress, but because they have less of a personal stake in it. And so they're not in survival mode about your problems. They're in survival mode about their problems. So if you can find a complimentary partner who can help you look at these things, both from the standpoint of, oh, these aren't your stressors, so you can be more mindful about them, Plus, you have a different talent set, so you can help me look at them through different lenses as well. That's going to be really beneficial. As you do that, and if you can't find someone to do that with, or in conjunction, what is helpful is to do some mindfulness exercises, to do some meditation or some self-care before you start reflecting. Even though that seems to take more time, and theoretically it does take more time, but When you do that and you release your body from the fight or flight response, you can better assess these things. But so how do you assess them? Because again, until, as Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So this feeling that you have of overwhelm and there's nothing you can do about it, that's because All of these things, your systems, your habits, your talents are running underground in your subconscious, controlling what you do every day, but it makes you feel unempowered because it's what's just automatically showing up. And in the few moments when your conscious mind is like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong here. I don't know what to do. Your conscious mind doesn't really want to know what to do to fix the problem. So immediately you go back into that unconscious, subconscious realm. So how do you make the unconscious of your systems conscious so you can figure out what's that 20% that's going to give me the most bang for my buck? 
that's going to give my team the most bang for its buck. So the first thing, and we've talked about this in other episodes, whenever we do training, whenever we do coaching with someone, one of the worksheets that comes up over and over again in almost every setting is this idea of help and hinder. Thinking about talents, how are my talents helping me blank? How are they hindering me, getting in my way? So I mentioned my adaptability earlier in this episode. Adaptability, like all talents, can be great and at its best, go with the flow. There's been some sort of change that I need to adapt to. And so as I'm going through my day, even though I may have planned something out, and this was especially helpful in residence life, oh, here's a suicidal student. Someone's coming to my door and they're crying. They're upset about a roommate situation. So I have to adapt and deal with that situation. That's how it helps me. But how does it get in my way? When I have a plan and just at a whim, and often those whims are just, ooh, that seems hard and I don't really feel like doing that right now. So I'm not going to. So now it's gotten in my way. So same thing for systems. And with all of these, like, what is your objective? What is your end goal? You have to start there because otherwise, how are you going to know if something's helping you get there or getting in the way of you getting there? So it's the same thing for systems. Looking at the things that are a part of the system. So what steps are you taking? What habits are there? Is this helping me achieve this goal of, and we'll say this situation, getting all the things done that I need to get done? So you have a system for, say, supervising your team. What are the components of that? And do those components equal being a successful supervisor? And the point of this is not to judge as in, oh, no, they don't. I suck. But rather to assess So you can start making some changes. Oh, well, in supervision, one of the things that I do is one-on-ones, but they often get canceled. If You'll know from other episodes that you get so much bang for your buck with a well-crafted one-on-one. Let's keep those. But again, you have to be mindful of what they are and what your end objective is. So going through, picking a system for whatever it is, maybe it's retention if you're working on that, enrollment, serving students, supporting students, whatever it is, how am I doing that? What are the things that I do every day to contribute to that? Of those things that I've now identified, what's helpful and what gets in the way of achieving that goal? Another thing to look at in your system is frustration points. For example, if you're thinking about you and your role as a supervisor, what frustrates you about being a supervisor? Because if there's something that is leading to frustration on a constant basis, it means that your system isn't as good as it could be. So what can you do to improve that system? Maybe you've got some things going for you in your system of being a supervisor. But And and I would say this is pretty classic for a lot of supervisors. But when someone doesn't do what I expect them to do, I get really frustrated. Why do you get frustrated? Because you don't have an effective system to deal with it. So every time it comes up, there's no automatic pilot process to effectively deal with it. So instead, what kicks in is a bunch of automatic pilot things that leave you feeling frustrated. So those frustration points 
it's easy to say, well, let's just, I don't want to be negative. Let's not focus on that. I don't want to be a complainer. But they tell you something. That is good data to look at. And then the last thing is, again, finding what is giving you the greatest impact. That 80-20 rule. When you look at the things that you're doing to be an effective supervisor, what are the things that you can say, okay, you know, when I do this, I really get a lot of bang for my buck. Things go well. Whenever I don't do them, and it's super easy to not do things these days because we're exhausted, because we have so much to do, it's really easy to look at that to-do list and say, oh my gosh, I have 20 things on my to-do list and I'm supposed to meet with Betsy today. I could knock out like 17 of those things if I just didn't meet with Betsy. But keep in mind with the 80-20 rule, if you have a list of 10 things you need to do, two of those things are going to give you 80% of your results. The other eight are all just giving you small gains, if that, and that's assuming everything on your to-do list is actually useful. So when you're looking at what you have to do for the day or that big ginormous list of, oh my gosh, these are all the things that are my regular job description plus the pandemic stuff plus my supervisor wants me to do this, 80% of those, I don't want to say they're not worth doing, but they're probably not worth doing until you do the things that are worth 20% to see how things shake out at that point. One of the easiest ways to do this is just to think, what's going to make the biggest impact here? If I do blank, how much of an impact in my overall wellness, in my overall busyness, in my overall productivity is it going to bring versus just being able to check off eight things on your to-do list that didn't really get you very far? But sometimes when you have those executing skills, it makes you feel good because you got eight out of 10 things done. And I have strategic, like I have very few executing skills, which I'm often jealous of the executors. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds morbid, but I too, when I am stressed, fall under the delusion that getting eight things done is more valuable than getting two things done, even though if I were really to pull back and look at it, I would say, oh, those two things are going to get me 80% to my goal versus the eight things, which aren't going to make much of a dent. And I think about when I was little and my little sister when I was younger, but old enough to know about money in the sense that a quarter was worth way more than a penny, I would often do some shady deals with my littlest sister who, I'll trade you these five monies, aka five pennies, for your one money, her quarter. And mother would, luckily for my little sister, come in and (laughs) negate those deals. But that's kind of how we treat things, especially when we're under stress. But it's not productive and it wears us out. And we get the benefit of feeling busy, which I do think is a story in higher ed and especially with higher ed supervisors like, oh, if I'm not busy, then I'm doing something wrong. But it's actually the opposite. When we're that busy, we get caught in a cycle of doing, well, busy work, which doesn't get us where we need to go and makes things worse for the next day. Okay, wrapping it up. Systems, so important, but not just having them, having effective systems. As tired and as overwhelmed as you may feel, it is absolutely worth it to, if nothing else, at the beginning of the day, think, what's going to give me the most bang for my buck? And start there. Because remember, this also works in conjunction with 
our energy levels. We only have so much energy every day, and that's going to be max at the beginning of the day. And as we go through the day and things drain us, we're going to have less and less energy, less and less focus, less and less ability to be creative, to be innovative, to use our conscious brain. So it is better to focus on those more meaningful, the 20% at the beginning of each day. And if we have time and energy for some other things, great. But if not, it doesn't matter because we've gotten a buttload done with the 20% items that we have chosen to work on that day. Okay, so your homework, and I haven't done homework in a while, but you know, bring it back. Throwback Wednesday when this drops. I don't know, whatever. Um, so your homework is just pick one thing, just one thing. And being a supervisor, that's a big thing. So pick one small project. Like this is my one, this is an important project that I'm working on. How am I going about it? How are my habits? How are my talents? How are the other things that we talked about? Our stories impacting how I show up for that and what I do on a daily basis to achieve my goal with this project? And what are the things that are making the biggest impact? What frustration points am I having? And what's going to make the biggest impact? And then choose those things to work on first. Next week, I want to talk about authentic leadership styles. Because at the heart of this episode today is actually how to prioritize. And finding our authentic leadership style also helps us be more productive because it helps us prioritize what we do and how we show up as a leader and a supervisor. So until next week, start assessing your systems and stay strong. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. As always, Alicia and I are here to support you as you reflect on where you are and where you want to go. One great way to invest in yourself and your team is to join us for the summer cohort of the Supervisor Strengths Institute. We are revamping the Institute this summer to make it even more manageable for your busy schedule. It is the same great content, but we've condensed it so you can work through each week's modules and start implementing change even faster. We know that life can too easily get in the way of you staying on track, so we've also added a bonus for everyone who completes all eight weeks of learning. You will get an additional 60 minutes of our time, and you can use that for more individual coaching, a short team session, or to receive a discount on a longer team workshop. Our Summer Institute starts on May 28th, Go ahead and register now. Check it off your list. We want you, your team, and your students to shine their brightest. And that starts with you. So join us for the Summer Institute using the link in the show notes. Or if you have questions about the Institute or other services, contact us at Anne, and that's A-N-N-E, at strengthsuniversity.org.
Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.